We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bivens, Vice President of Sales, Pioneer X. And today I'm here with Josh and Marsha. Hi, I'm Josh Howland, Vice President of Clinical Strategy. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, Marketing Director. Today we're here with Brandon Knott, owner of Cascade Specialty Pharmacy in Paulsbo, Washington. You're familiar with Mark and I because, I mean, you've met him a couple of times and I'm usually the one at Washington Pharmacy Association. I'm there to see Kirk and the nice little panel that, you know, that he puts together where we talk to a bunch of pioneer users and we get to learn a bunch of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to kick it off. You're originally from Florida and you went to school in Florida. Yeah, the, what moved op- you to oh, the yeah. opposite corner of the U.S.? You, you the here? only appropriate response is, have you been to Florida yeah, well, but Seattle, he's in the Seattle area, and that's that's constantly rainy. So yeah, it's like the furthest place you can get. Right. Really. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get there? Culturally and weather. <laughs> Culturally and weather and distance. That's funny. <laughs> he wanted the rain. All of the above. Uh, no, I uh, my wife and I met at University of Florida, and uh, we had all of our kids there, and her her dad, or well, both her parents, and all of our extended family are, live out in the Seattle area. And I had this crazy idea. I was doing hospital pharmacy administration. And one day I was like, I am so bored. I want to get out in the community somewhere. I want to have a little pharmacy somewhere and just do something different. And my mother-in-law was like, hey, you know, my sorority sister, she and her husband have this pharmacy out out in Paulsbo. We came out here for a family vacation, you know, always in July and August, which are the very best months to be out <laughs> right, here. Right, I was going to say, peak, peak time, right? Because every time I come out here, I'm like, what's not to love? Mountains, right. water, yeah. 75 degrees. Uh-huh. It doesn't get any better. Right, sun shining. You know, as, as you leave the armpit, you know, in the southeast at that time of year. Yeah, so we moved out here uh, actually 10 years ago and, uh, you know, kind of settled in. And at that time, the, uh, the pharmacy was, you know, a compounding only pharmacy. Uh, that the okay. uh, previous owner had converted it to uh, back in 2001. And yeah, rest is kind of our history. Okay, so you got kids and you moved them. How old? Oh, yeah, that was a funny story. So, uh, you know, you know, as dads, a lot of times we can have the big dreams. So I was like, oh, you know, we're going to have a pop-up camper. And when we move, we're going to camp along the way. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. Had yeah. Me, me and Brandon yeah. sound similar. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time we had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and then twins that had uh, were not quite two years old yet. Wow. You know, so what could go wrong? Yeah, no, Perfect. that sounds so so simple. <laughs> Packed it up, loaded them all up, and used to say there were a lot of hotel stops along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So little ones. Yeah. 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 So three girls and a boy. Wow. Okay. I got one that I understand. <laughs> just say, yeah, right. Right. The I know. Girl. I know. I, yeah, we have a, we have one of each Marsha and I do. And 
Yeah. Our last move. I learn a lot. Our, yeah, we've <laughs> and I grew up with moved, brothers, so we've moved multiple yeah. times, and because uh, he was he was military, and uh, then of course our work moved us around, and our sixteen year old, or she was. 12, 13 at the time when we said, okay, we're moving again. She was like, yes, I'm packing. When are we moving? And our son who was in first grade at the time just started crying and our, and the, our oldest daughter, she said like, it's okay. It's okay. This is going to be awesome. You're going to get a new room. We're going to get all new stuff. It's going to be awesome. And she's just like, can we move tomorrow? I'm ready to get out of here. Yeah. She's always, she's, she's always been the one that's kind of game. Yeah. So, so you, so you get involved with that, um, the, the compounding pharmacy compounding only, what was yep. the journey to, to go, Hey, th- did you guys immediately go, Hey, are you looking to exit? Let me, let me help you do that. Or was it uh, kind of a journey and, and a trust building relationship over time? Yeah. So a little bit of both. Okay. I, you know, because they were family friends, I mean, we weren't like close by any means. I think she got like a Christmas card every year. Right. Hmm. So I just called them up and I knew how old they were because I knew how old my in-laws were. Right. So I knew they were, you know, getting around that retirement age. And so I just called them, introduced myself and, and, uh, we, uh, we kind of hit it off. Um, and we came out to visit them, uh, to kind of see what their operation was, you know, and I, I mean, the learning curve was steep for me, you know, at that time coming from Florida, right. You know, Southeast, very conservative, you come out to the Northwest, it's very alternative. Like, I didn't even know what a naturopathic position was at that time. <laughs> okay. And then I come out and they're like prescribing drugs left and right. I'm like, whoa, this yeah. is kind of different. What's happening? <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. So I, I really felt like it was kind of the Wild West in some ways uh, huh. I mean, because of the way things were, or, were structured. Um, but uh, very interesting, you know, because I took my you know, years of experience and like sterile compounding things from hospitals, right. you know, and try to com- apply that somehow at a community <laughs> level, which is kind of, kind of a fun journey. Yeah. So what we came and, uh, you know, we spent, uh, you know, like a week with them just to kind of see if we liked it, okay. you know, and in, in the area. Um, and then I came out and I worked for them for about a year. And then after that, you know, they just said, okay, they retired and we took it over at that time. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, you, you said we took it over. Is your wife involved in the pharmacy as well? Uh, uh, at, an, at an arm's length. She is not a pharmacist, uh, but, you know, so she she helps from time to time. If I can really rope her in there. <laughs> <laughs> and what, so y'all met in college. What, what does she do? She has a degree in exercise sports science. Okay. And so she was going to, you know, on the track to want to get involved in managing sports teams and, doing things like that. And then we kind of just had a bunch of kids and that all changed. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it <laughs> totally makes sense. Yep. You have a compounding only pharmacy um, that you really probably, it sounds like you didn't when you first like stepped foot in there, haven't probably seen before or, or mm-hmm. at least uh, it hadn't been that close of a part of your learning curve. So where you guys are massively successful. Um, I think everyone could, could probably uh, agree with me on that. So where did you, was it, was it already that big? Was it already kind of, you know, cause you yeah. guys are, you guys are like in 13 States for people who don't know or, or whatever, at least you're shipping to yeah. some of that stuff. And you have so many doctor relationships too, I think now from talking to you before, how did you grow it to that point? When I came into the pharmacy, it, 
it really catered to um, the integrated community, which is a cash only community. Okay. And it was a very narrow focus, uh, a very deep focus there. Um, but when I came in, you know, I was like, okay, so I, I can learn how to do that, okay. you know, and understand kind of that patient population. Um, but I also understood, you know, I was like, wow, there's a lot we could do for traditional medicine yeah. and patients. And at that time, you know, it was a cash only pharmacy when we took it over. Uh, and so we, uh, very early on, I just said, the first thing I wanted to do is take, take insurance, mm. even if they covered it or not, there's a psychological component of that of you trying. Right. And, and so that really opened us up to, you know, traditional medicine, you know, because of if things aren't covered in traditional medicine, it's like, yeah. it's not going to go. Yeah. Right. So for that psychological point, that was really important. And then once we did that, we started building relationships with specialists, you know, in the area and learning about, you know, different types of uh, patient groups and maybe what some of the gaps were. And we really looked for ways that we could be uh, valuable to them uh, because, you know, in traditional medicine, like you got to be relevant because right. they're busy. Yeah. So we really had to look and say, okay, where is a way that we can really impact people um, and make a difference for them? You know, so it took a lot of, you know, networking and trying to have conversations. And I think that that was one thing that, being in a smaller community uh, was really helpful because your access, you know, to some of these uh, physicians, I think, is a lot easier than like if I were to try to go in the middle of Seattle. That's true. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like, who are you? Drug, right. Getting a drug rep line. <laughs> right. That's that's you know, true. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, the guy, you know, a few miles down the road. You know, so once I learned, you know, that, then, you know, in it's a small world. And people know other people uh -huh. and they, and if you do a good job, people love to help make connections. And so what we found is like, Oh, we'll meet my friend. So-and-so, Oh, come to this meeting. Oh, nice. You know, before you know it, you know, you're building relationships and, you know, and you can help more people. You know, I'm a big believer in that our whole economy uh, revolves around serving and serving people with products, services, Whatever mm -hmm. we do, we're serving another person. And if you have that, you know, drive you, then it really drives you to, to excellence. And, and people really see that it's genuine. Yeah. And so it drives a lot of aspects of your business, you know, and how you approach that. And so, you know, it just kind of grew, 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 and frankly, uh, uh, got out of control. You know, going from a small <laughs> kind of got, <laughs> got crazy okay. to where you can, you know, <laughs> kind of wrap your arms around everything. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a lot more employees to, um, to oversee. And, uh, and there, that has its own challenges in itself. Yeah. Just trying to scale. Just trying operations. To, yeah. Just trying to scale yourself, you know? I mean, out of all of my trips to the Seattle area to visit, like, I've visited Kirk's pharmacies and a couple other. I haven't been to your store yet. Is it still just closed door specialty or, I mean. No, no, no. We have a, a, a strong local business. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you've grown that quite a bit since taking it over and you're also doing supplements too. We are. So mm -hmm. what, who are you? Cause so is that like, uh, our solutions or I mean, what are you working with? In terms of what supplements? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we inherited the kind of the supplement lineups that uh, what we really had to, what we found is that you got to have the brands that people are looking for. Okay. And in our area, the brands that people are looking for are typically the ones that are professional line that are recommended by naturopathic physicians. Right. Yes. Regionally, and, okay. that's what's strong with you guys. That makes total sense. Yeah. That's- yeah. So you end up carrying the brands that they carry. Yeah. And when I, the previous owner, uh, what he found, I mean, his supplement business just grew organically because he was open six days a week and the naturopaths were open three days a week. So Makes people sense. were like, oh, every time I go to my, they're closed. Yep. So they found that, you know, they have them there. So just working with those brands. So out here it's, you know, Vital Nutrients and Thorn, mm-hmm. um, Biotics, those common ones. So what, what, what's it? So you, so you grew it to, okay, cash only, which I think a lot of people would be envious of that, but right, right now I was going to go there too. <laughs> like, very few people I've heard say, man, we really wanted to take insurance. Yeah, no, well, at least nowadays. Right. And, and now you're managing. So what's it like to manage in a, in a really still strong, heavy compounding pharmacy? Um, those kind of PBM contracts you're, you're dealing with that have a lot of restrictions <laughs> that have a lot of restrictions um, around the compounding side, or is it just that part of the business just aren't included in it? You know, it's getting a lot more difficult. And I think that a lot of the horror stories that that I've heard over the years, I mean, frankly, I mean, most insurance companies aren't covering much anymore. Yeah, there's the same, almost non-existent. You know, but the insurance companies, of course, focus in the more densely populated areas first. That's true. The heat zones, right? Yeah, yeah, the heat zones. Mm -hmm. So I think like the, the East Coast felt it probably a year or two before yeah. we did. Okay. You know, and so now, you know, we're starting to, you know, starting to have more conversations about, Oh, well, that's not FDA approved. Well, I know that <laughs> of course it's not FDA approved. Uh, so the, the conversations are definitely starting to change. Okay. So we'll see how, you know, 2021 plays out. I mean, we've got a recredentialing with express scripts, right? And that's always a, what are they going to do? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I think the one thing that we have out in Washington that other um, areas of the country don't necessarily have is because we have such a strong integrative community out here in the Northwest, some of the more local insurance plans will cover. Oh, nice. Okay. At, at a very marginal amount, but at least you know, they, they do help their patients, you know, with those. So, you know, now that you mentioned, you know, Washington, they're clearly one of the more progressive States in terms of pharmacy practice. Have you guys, Mm -hmm. have you guys done any of the the work around like with a pharmacist prescriptive authority with, you know, oral contraceptives and and things like that? We have not, we have not. I mean, that's something in the future, you know, as we, I mean, because like all of us, we're looking at how to be a multi-legged stool, you know, because, There's a lot of threats to the compounding industry, um, you know, that we can't control. Uh, and so we're looking at diversifying and uh, exploring that model a little more fully is definitely something that's on our radar. Mm-hmm. I have talked to a couple of people about it. And a lot of the, the things are like, yeah, we're ready. The hardest part, again, is that insurance hurdle where they just don't know how to credential a pharmacist. Right. I mean, they know all day long you can yeah. credential a doctor, but then you throw a PharmD in there and they're like, yeah, and, and they're know. like, and then it's the conversation. Do I, yeah, do I credential the pharmacist? Do I credential the pharmacy? Right. right. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and that's hard for pharmacies as well, right? We were always like, hey, here's my NPI. No, that's the NPI for your store. Right, yeah. Right, like when I worked at Walgreens, I could tell you my DEA and NPI number all day long. Right. But it wasn't mine. It was for the store I was at. Mm-hmm. I had to go look up mm-hmm. my NPI. That's totally different. You know, you, you're the provider at that point. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I've got some colleagues here locally that are, you know, they're kind of pioneers in that area. So I'm waiting then to grease all the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> let them bloody their nose. Right. Let them let them get cut up a little I'll bit. Side I'll like, say, here, I'll buy you a beer. Tell me, tell me <laughs> tell, how it works. Tell me how this yeah, tell me how this went, man. Um <laughs> you're cut up and bruised now. So well, I mean, let me you, learn you've from been you. beat up pretty good with compounding for the last decade. So Yeah. Um Yeah, and so for some too, like I, I think, you know, even with especially we we see it sometimes with startups. Um, you know, cause we probably see, I don't know, roughly probably three to 400 of those a year, you know, and, and, and some of a lot of that time as a pioneer owner, like yourself, maybe starting another pharmacy, but a lot of those are just like from scratch startups. And so, and what we've seen is that's kind of an area of focus where they're like, maybe I can offer this to be, like you said, relevant, different, a niche or whatever. So I don't know what, do you have any pearls there for like, Hey, what's it take to start up a, a niche and get that niche to even break even um Mm -hmm. that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) um you know i think you gotta really figure out um what you're passionate about right okay because you're gonna have to work really deeply about it and you've gotta a lot of times you gotta introduce that you know to your customer base Um, and if you don't have a customer base how are you gonna get the customer base um and because people are going to feed off, you know, what you're passionate about. And so, you know, how you, you know, talk to people, like if you're, if you want to do these, you know, billable consultations, you know, then, well, that's going to be a foreign concept to people yeah. because pharmacists are always free. So <laughs> which we've got to get uh, patients how, to learn how that, you that is not true. That up, yeah. Yep. You know, to, to deliver on that perceived value and, you know, uh, I, I think the the hard part that we have is, you know, as a profession, as unfortunately, probably my colleagues won't like me saying it, but we've cheapened ourselves, you know, over the years where people, they, they love us, right. but they don't necessarily see the value. Um, and so how do we turn the tables on that? And were you able to, to really shine, you know, with your, your clinical skill set? And, and how do you want to apply that? Either do you want to do nutrition counseling right. and build a nutrition practice around that? You know, uh, looking at your area um, and see like who's doing what, right? You know, and if you know, like out out here, it's you know, you know of course, you know, we we're one of the first states to legalize you know marijuana, and so it was That's like, true. well, is the pot shop going to be the expert in CBD? You know, the hemp version <laughs> yeah. or, you know, <laughs> the guy probably not, got, you know, doesn't know diddly squat. Probably tell you, you what the ride's the, like. I mean, I was <laughs> yeah, going to say, to be right, fair, you know, he's probably got the most but, experience with it. <laughs> yep. Right. But I think looking at, you know, the community and saying, okay, where can I really, you know, step it up and be the expert? And so the people kind of know us as start to know you for something. Right. You know. 
whatever so, that is. Do you find that it's easier to get patients to translate that value from somebody who's already like, you know, traditionally compounded drugs are more expensive or less covered by insurance. So you've got a group of people who are like, all right, 50 bucks. I, I don't like it, but I'll pay it. And then you're like, all right, well, we have the nutrition service and it's whatever. Are those people more apt to embrace the, the fee for your service as opposed to somebody who pays a $3 copay? I think it depends on, um, you know, what they're interested in, you know, as a consumer, you know, like we all have our things like the, the person that I would least expect to want to invest in, you know, nutritional supplements, you know, sometimes it appears like you think it's the, the person who's, you know, very tight with their money. Right. But yet they believe in that. So they want to deep dive into it uh, versus other people, you know, they may not be as invested, but certainly I think that the patients that are paying for customized medicine, like they want it tailored to them. Well, they're a natural, you know, invested in their own healthcare and they're not depending upon traditional medicine to dictate what they get. So they are naturally going to, going to pay more and they want that. They want that customized. They want to feel good about, you know, how they're spending their money. Um, so that's a, that's a great customer. Uh, but I wouldn't discount the people that are paying a $3 copay and upset because it went from a dollar to $3 because some of that is just, they, they want their insurance companies to pay and they're expecting to pay. And it's not necessarily that they can't afford it. It's more of a psychological component. Right. Well, I mean, I, I'm probably the the perfect example, and this is going to be embarrassing to admit, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I want to hear it. Like, I'll happily spend $50 on a bottle of bourbon and not even think about it because <laughs> I see the value in the craft. And a couple of years ago, I went to the doctor and like my vitamin D levels were like zero because my wife pesters me about putting sunscreen on when I go out and all that stuff. <laughs> Don't blame it on her. Yeah, we can, we can push that over a little bit. But so it's like, not just so fault. when when I went to the store to get vitamin D, what like what did I do? But I, I bought the absolute bought the cheapest, cheapest vitamin D possible. Piece right, of garbage on the shelf at some place. Right, but yeah. I will not buy a whiskey in a plastic bottle. <laughs> right, it's just not going to happen. Everyone's a snob because you're right. a, a bougie lush. Right. Yep. So I mean, it's true. Like, if you value it, you'll yeah. spend the money on it. It's That's just, true. How do you find the people that'll value it? Yeah, yeah, and attract those. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I kind of always tell everybody, like, it's, it's probably a bad way of putting it, but everybody's a snob about something. You mm -hmm. know, like it could be a mm -hmm. car, it could be tools, it can be whatever. And, and I say snob like a I bad like that connotation. Was a personal jab. <laughs> <laughs> But it could, you know, it really could be, it could be gloves, whatever it is, but you know, you have in, and, and it's building probably that, that type of pharmacy and messaging and delivery of, of said, uh, service to, to attract the folks that you're trying yeah, to attract. And I think that looking at, uh, the, the healthcare providers in your area, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not spending two minutes of my time going to you know, the large family practice clinic that's churning out hundreds of patients a day. I mean, that they're giving people individual attention is just not their business model, you know? And so you, you gotta be wise where you spend your time and looking for, and 
it used to be like, hey, the independent practitioners, because they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to build their own and, businesses. And they're like you, right? You know, yep. like, yep, kind of thing. And, and, and they like that. But like independent pharmacies, independent physicians are dwindling. Yes. Probably at a, probably yeah. at a faster rate, right? Like, right. Um, it's yeah. getting harder for them. And, and they've had to learn to scale themselves with either nurse practitioners or PAs or whatever to, to like, I, I think I've had three minutes of FaceTime with a doctor in the past 24 months, you know well, what I mean? I so. think, okay. So just to kind of go back to y'all talking about, you know, value and Mark saying people are a snob about things. I think being a snob about some of the products you guys are interested in, you research a lot in the bourbon and the process and all that stuff. But the problem That's with That's the nicest patient- way anybody's ever said I drink a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you drink a lot. <laughs> you, do, you drink a lot. Um, but I mean, with, with patients, they're not researching their prescriptions. They're only researching um, the side effects. And so how are you working? I mean, give me one of your patient success stories. What is the... How are you convincing the patient the value of this and going, no, 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 you need this supplement to counter with this medication? The value of what we do is, is learning how to listen and engage people and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the big benefit that I have that some of like the chain pharmacists don't have. You know, but listening to people and, and talking to them about what's going on, because a lot of times they'll start sharing information with you. And then when they realize, oh, I have time with you, now I can really talk to you and, and ask questions that I forgot I had. And I, that's the value of just learning your, your customer base and, and engaging with them and training your staff to engage with them. Right. You know, because my, my team's invaluable, you know, because they're – they're talking with people all day long and building them, building those relationships, whether it's over the phone or in person, uh, so that when things do come up, people feel like, oh, wow, like they're welcoming. I don't feel like I'm being a burden to them, you know, to share. You know, so I've had different patient success stories over the years. Um, just What's by the one that you cling to and reference the most? There's a, there's a, it's a, not a new, new, treatment. Um, but it is one that is now becoming much more in the mainstream because of all the data that are coming out and that's, uh, low doses of naltrexone. Okay. And so that can be used for, it really cut its teeth when I, when I learned about it with, uh, multiple sclerosis and well, I had a patient long-term customer that I, that I've got to know. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, I just started health declining and, she, and I was, you know, engaged her. I was like, what is going on? You know, cause, uh, you know, cause she was already elderly, but then she started progressing like, okay, the next month I see her, she's got a cane. Oh, wow. Yeah. The next month I see her, her husband's helping her. The next time I see her, she's in a wheelchair. And I'm like, what like, is going on? Yeah. She was telling me how, you know, that she's having her, her MS was really flaring up and that she was on the, the typical Western, you know, DMARDs and, you know, going through all those cycles and wasn't getting anywhere. And so I introduced her, you know, to, uh, to LDN and I got her information, um, you know, and said, you know, this, this may be something, you know, I, I don't know if it'll work for you, but I've, I've heard that it does help in some cases. Um, 
And so that was kind of a long haul because she had to introduce it to her normal doctor team, oh, yeah. who, of course, dismissed it yep. because big pharma drugs, those are the ones that were going to do the job. So she had to finish out the cycles of those uh, before she got on it. But then when she got on it, you know, so she did end up, you know, getting a prescription for it because she failed the other traditional treatments, you know, but after a few months, no more wheelchair. Oh, wow. No more walker, no more assistance, you know, and she was coming in and, you know, and every time I see her now, you know, she gives me a hug, you know, and it's yeah. just makes you feel good. And not everybody has that response, right? But that's, you know, but that's one of the ones that really said it because it was so dramatic. Yeah. And my whole pharmacy team saw her because she was such a delightful person. You know, they saw the, you know, her Rapid progression decline. and then change and were just kind of blown away by it. That's amazing. The interesting thing about the, the Lotus Tontraxone is, is not that there's magic in it, right? It's been around forever. It's just, you know, you highlighted one of the, I guess, two things that are really important. Um, pharmacists suck at marketing as a general rule. And you talked about, you know, knowing your audience and kind of segmenting that, like, all right, I'm going to hit these people and not these people. It's brilliant. But, in, you know, the other part you highlighted was that you have time to talk to patients, right? And you're, you're talking to them and finding out, hey, I, you're, they're trying all these other things. And when you're, you're just turning and burning patients, you don't have the time to go in and say, hey, I've heard about this. It may or may not work. And they're going to have the relationship with you to actually take that advice. You know, like that's, yeah. that's a strong thing to have with patients that yeah. you know, not everybody's going to listen and, and to you. Not only that, and then take it to her own doctors right? and, and go, have to fight this is what we're doing, dude. <laughs> when, when this thing's over, yeah. like this is what we need to do. And, and that, that's just, yeah, I'm with you. That, that comes from well, that relationship. There's, so using your time wisely, you know, if you, if you try to launch a new idea to a doctor, it takes them five interactions to get comfortable with. Oh wow! Okay. It's not one time. Oh, doctor feels comfortable. Risk of reputation to start, you know, doing something different. Now, it takes multiple interactions, and pharma knows this. That's why they have their metrics. Yeah. Of how so many I, times they get it. Yeah, that's how they have those touch points, pain. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Versus, if you go to the consumer, then. A lot of times what I've found is that, okay, now the consumer, the patient is now taking the risk of that recommendation because it's not the doctor recommending it to the patient. It's the patient saying, hey, I want to try this. And the doctor's body weight and saying, okay, well, you know, it's potentially beneficial, you know, very low risk. Right. Okay. What are the risks? Okay. Yeah, I don't have a problem with you trying it. Well, then they're much more open to it. Because the patient's taking the risk. It's not going to go back to the doctor and say, why did you order that for me? So it, sometimes I, I remember early in my career, I was like, you know, oh, like I pitched something to a doctor. I was like, oh, I feel great about that. And then nothing. Nothing. And it was like, you know, like, what was it me? What, what, I, what did I say the wrong thing? Like, no, it just takes multiple interactions mm -hmm. to get comfortable. So you have to be committed to the long haul you know, to want to build that relationship yeah. and continue to do it because, you know, when they refer a patient to you, that's their reputation. And I think that as, as pharmacists, you know, if you're trying to do something special, you've got to take that very seriously. 
And I've had to, you know, train myself like, hey, you know, your best sales rep, the best is your customer. Is your patient, right? Yep. Because they're going to tell the doctor, you did a great job every now and then. <laughs> but if you do a bad job, oh, they're going to tell them. Like immediately. Yes. Yep. Right. And, and that's important, those interactions. You know, in a chain drugstore, being everyone just, you know, nobody cares. Yeah. Just because they don't want things personal. But if you're trying to make things personal, you got to be personally invested in how that customer is feeling. Like, did you, did you do the best you could? Right. You know, and doing that customer service recovery because they're going to get the feedback. Yeah. And it's all about making the doctor look good. Like, wow, you referred me to the coolest pharmacy. Oh, that's Those great. people are awesome. That's a good point. Like, mm -hmm. that's what you mm -hmm. want. Yeah. You know, because then the doctor's like, oh, wow. And the MA is like, woohoo. <laughs> you know, they're feeling good, you know. And, I like it. So have you, know. you taken any of your um, data from your success stories to a doctor's office and said, hey, look, I've improved your patient. So I would like to work with more of your patients. Is um, I have it in, in some ways. And I, I'll tell you, I've been – I was surprised, like, you know, at one time, like, we're, you know, we're working really hard, you know, to connect with patients and, uh, and to get them to fill their prescriptions uh, because we weren't necessarily their normal pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So we had to work extra hard. And so I created this, you know, little dashboard for our leaf. I was like, hey, listen, we've got a 95% fill rate. And versus the industry average, I think at that time, and I, I don't know, my, my, I think it was like around 60 or 70%. Okay. So I'm like, we're doing far better. We're killing it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is a wonderful story. So I presented the data. And you know, and a doctor is a friend of mine, you know, so I wanted to try it out on him. And, and, and you know what he focused on? Oh, what? The 5%? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, why didn't all my patients fill? Oh, man. I'm like, doc. They don't all fill. Well, I write the prescription. They fill it. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. a, a significant amount of time, they never fill it. Well, they don't even know that. They yeah, just assume true. that they send the prescription, you go get it. So learning kind of what their perspective is of, you know, and if they don't fill, 100% of the reason why they don't fill is because you're too expensive. Mm -hmm. It has, it has, you know, it's like, well, maybe they're not convinced they actually need the drug doc. Oh no. No, you're too expensive. That can't be it. That <laughs> can't be it's it. Price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they start so, feeling better the 30 minutes later and they're like, ah, I don't want right, to get like, it. Like, yep. Or they went on to Dr. Feel, Google and you know? figured out that that was scary. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I want you to take this cholesterol med. Okay. You can order it for me, but I'm going to see if diet and exercise is going to work. <laughs> right. I'm going to see if I just you eat know, salad. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. So it, it was a very, it's been an interesting choice. I kind of learned, you know, sort of learning about how they kind of view the world, yeah. uh, which is different than us as pharmacists and, and understanding like, okay, what is meaningful to them? You know, and I, I remember I, I started talking about star ratings. You know, this mm. is years ago. Buzzword. <laughs> you know, and I, they're like, oh, I don't see how you can impact my star ratings. I don't even, I don't even know what the star ratings are. I don't really care about them. Yeah, I got these little metrics over here, but you know, they, it, it was not a, 
it was not something that interested them to come to the table. Right. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes to show like what you were saying too. Um, and what I think with Dr. Calvin Knowlton with the tabular, with tabular, he was a CEO of tabular. Like patient buy-in is so that's important. Right. And that's what he was talking about. Like you're not taking this drug. I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to, Tell the doc you're not taking it, but I'm going to cancel the tutor. You you don't want to take it. You're not taking it. He he was so big on like if your patient believes they should take it, they're going to work with that doctor to either go, hey, make sure I do take it, make sure I do have it, or, or and have Her that Bob conversation Lomanac with story. the, with the if physician. If you don't pick up your meds, I'm going to tell your doctor you didn't pick up your meds and take them. Well, I mean, and you know, we're doing a lot of work around like really trying to help clean up patient profiles automatically. If they're not filling it, discontinue it and send that note back to the doctor and saying, Hey, they stopped taking it for whatever reason you need to know about that. It's really important. You know, and it kind of goes along the lines of if the patient doesn't believe in it, they're going to stop taking it. If the pharmacist doesn't remind them in some capacity, they're going to stop taking it. And so you, you kind of need that constant iteration. It, it was when it, it goes back to when I was in pharmacy school, we were talking about adherence and like, there's this really predictable non-adherence curve for patients if you don't intervene at all, like you don't talk to them. After like three or four months, it goes from like 90% to like 60-ish percent. And then by a year, if you've never reminded them at all about taking their medications, they're pretty much done. And that also included patients who are taking like HIV meds or oral oncology medications, things that will actually keep them alive, just predictable. If you don't, re- out of sight, out of mind, gone. And so you have to have some way to drive importance. You have to have a way to keep having everybody in that chain, making sure the patient's doing the right thing, including the patient. Absolutely. You've got a ton of, a ton of different programs in your pharmacy. You've got, um, you got the, we'll talk through it a little bit. Yeah. I know you got like sinus health, men's health stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm actually a little stuffy. I'd like to know more about the sinus health right now. I'm kind of curious about the sinus health too. Like what is some of those programs, how has, how's COVID kind of impacted some of that and, and give us a little bit of the success of those? Well, um, early on, I, we had, you know, because it hit out here, I mean, New York had it, but yeah, you know, we really started buckling down well before the East coast did. Yeah, you did actually. Yes. And, yeah. You guys were really early to that. Oh yeah. I remember, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd be on, you know, conference calls with, you know, colleagues around the country. And I'm like, yeah, um, we're like shut down. And people are like, oh, I so, feel so bad for you. And I was like, no, it's coming your way. Yeah. They're like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem out there. You know, uh, like you guys overreact. Yeah. Yeah. But we experience is, you know, because so many people out here naturally, you know, uh, tend to go towards, you know, supplementation and herbal products, the things got wiped out of the wholesalers like instantly. Oh, yeah. So our, our main brands was like, okay, we can do these immune kits. No, we can't. No, never mind. Nothing. <laughs> never mind. They got yep. all wiped out. So we had to, you know, figure out like, okay, how are we going to try to get sources from different, different companies that we don't normally, you know, yeah. uh, work with. Uh, so, and, you know, our patient, our, our traffic just like eliminated, yeah, tanked, you know, yeah. which was tough, mm-hmm. you know, cause then you're like, okay, now, now I can't interact with people the way we used to. Um, 
So I wish I could say that, oh, you know, we did a great job of moving these immune boosting kits, but, you know, I don't think we really did because we just didn't have the availability. Well, we didn't have the product. And then by the time we got the product, we didn't have the traffic, you know, so it was like, well, the perfect storm. Oh, wow. So how did you get into the programs with the sinus health? And what got, I mean, you started, you came in, you took over this closed door compounding pharmacy. And then how did you get into starting these programs for like sinus health? And and, I mean, obviously the immunity for Um, cold and flu season. Looking around for, you know, different ways, you know, or like, okay, these are the specialists that I have in my community. Right. You know, looking like, okay, how, is there anything that I could do for my local dermatologist? Is there anything I could do for my local ENT? Is there, okay. you know, because, you know, or my, you know, cause we, we had a, a large, you know, women's health program doing customized, you know, hormone replacement therapy. And so I was like, okay, so that's well developed. Now let's look at these other, other areas. Um, and really, I, I found they're, they're hard to get into, uh, but the specialists are, uh, t- to me, where I go. Because if you can help a specialist, one, they're, they're, they're looking at a very small niche of patients. Mm-hmm. You know? And so typically, if, if, if you can kind of solve a problem for them, they see that same problem a lot. And you can actually build, start to build a business around it versus, you know, I, I, my family practitioner, I mean, very open, you know, but for him, it might be a lot, maybe one patient a month. Well, that's not really a lot, you know, it, it's a lot in his perspective for that one condition. Sure. Um, yeah, going mean, to those specialists where they say like, oh, no, I see that like five or two times a week, you know, so then if you can solve that problem for that doctor, well, then you know you can solve that same problem for the that doctor's colleagues because they all have the same problem. You know, it's not necessarily a unique thing to your uh, your immediate community, so to speak. Uh, so that's how I got into like you know doing sinus health and working with patients with chronic sinusitis, uh, sort of focusing on on those patients and also paying attention to what's going on uh, in the rest of the country. So networking is really important because sometimes you learn about stuff from a colleague doing something in a different, you know, metro area Mm -hmm. because they just happen to have a a good relationship with another type of specialty and you can learn from them. Like, oh, I didn't know we could even do that. That's very interesting. Let me go. So now I feel like I got some information and I can have a relevant conversation with a doctor in my area. Tell me if I'm correct. Find what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Get specialized in it. And then make sure there's overlap with, it sounds like specialists are a great point to look at mm-hmm. in your neighborhood to go, can this overlap with some specialist in the neighborhood um, and solve mm-hmm. a problem there? So um, you've given us a lot <laughs> there. In a non-ironic way, it's almost like you teach a kindergartner about stranger danger, right? You like... <laughs> What's around me? Right. What's important? How yeah. do I get to these places? Yeah, like, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, I think the you know the, the reality is is um, at least what I'm seeing because I've I've seen the you know the the independents pop up and within two years they're gone. Yeah, 
you know, because it's unfortunately it's people that are frustrated in the chains and they figure out that, oh, you know, I can dispense medications. That's easy. But they're not seeing the the business side of it mm-hmm. and how narrow the margins are. Yep. I mean, it's chains are cutting your cutting your tech hours because the margins are getting slimmer, not because they want to be mean. Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of just look at yourself and say, okay, I am not going to make money on traditional prescriptions. Like I've got to have that mindset. Like I'm not going to make money on that. So if I want to do it, the only thing I'm going to get is customer traffic. So what am I going to do with that customer base? Right. Okay. Because I'm not going to make money off yeah. expensive their medications. Right. Like if you do make a little profit, Oh, great. But have it in your business plan that you are not going to make money on the traditional prescription side. So then what are you going to do? And, you know, and that's going to fuel you a little differently to say, wow, okay, I'm thinking my value is just dispensing prescriptions. But if that's not really going to be my value, then what is my value going to be? Mm-hmm. Whether I customize medications. Um, I love veterinarian okay. veterinarians. Because um, people are, especially I think, more so today than they were 10 years ago. People love their animals more than oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the Seattle yeah. area. Yeah, no doubt. They're just, yeah, remember back in the day, they were just tools to do things. <laughs> now yep. now they're, you know, as important as children um, yeah. to most. But, you know, but customizing to help people to medicate their animals that they adore, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people have no problem paying, paying cash. Yeah, that's true. You know, yep. For those, as long as the service and you back up your product and all that, um, so that's a, that's a good business because every veterinarian needs a compounding pharmacist. Now, right. nice. the volume of that can change, Yeah, but they all need you, you know? So, and some things you can do are very, very easy. They're not complicated. So be willing to be uncomfortable and figure it out along the way. Like you got to take that step out there sometimes. I mean, whether that's, I'm going to do my first clinical interaction and bill for it. That would be very uncomfortable for me. But, you know, the first one's the hardest. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for being on with us. Yeah, um, this is kind of talking so through and letting us pick your brain and, 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 and trying and to learn get some, from you and learn, learn from all that. Sounds like uh, you got it sounds like we're going to owe you a beer. Um, since you've got cut up <laughs> and bruised up and, I've got a developer on it. He's working on it. It was soon as my 2020 travel restrictions get pushed back. I'll catch up on all the visits that I was supposed to do last year. You're on it. You, I, uh, your, your trip is a little more complex than most. It involves a plane and a ferry it's ride, right? A ferry ride. That's true. That's, that's, that's part of the adventure. That's part of I, I have never been on a ferry. I hadn't either until I came out here. I have right. once, and it was actually in Florida. It just seems so foreign to me. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a it little. Just does. It's probably a normal thing there, but it just seems so foreign to me. Well, I'll tell you, it, it slows you down, you know, because, like, I mean, when I, when I grew up in Tampa, I mean, you could be at Disney World in an hour and a half. Yeah. You know? Not here. <laughs> Not happening. Not here. Yeah. Give yourself a day. <laughs> and, you know, I bet you, like, you're, you're busy, busy, busy. You're running. Oh, you missed a ferry by one minute. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. You're, sit- you're sitting there for an hour. Oh, okay. 
All right. Or you get or you get there and there's a huge lineup. Oh, you know? No. So from that regard, it just it does slow you down, you know, culturally. You know. That's true. Maybe everybody's kind the heart of... of Seattle, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that's like any other metropolitan area, but you know, being in the kind of the outskirts of the area, you know, navigating the geography, you know, like you you have to be more patient. Yeah, you just gotta be ready to to not get you in know? a hurry. Yeah. So we'll have to make a note. I'll visit Cascades, but only between June and August. November is also enjoyable. Could you imagine getting to the ferry and you're there and you're in line and you're like, there's too many people. Oh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> and you got to wait an hour. like, ugh. Or they say, oh, we canceled the next <laughs> oh, boat. That's true. Oh, my, oh, my gosh. Speaking from experience. Like, <laughs> I see. I see that's happened. Yeah. Like we didn't have enough people. Oh, no. Too many people called off today. <laughs> okay just ain't running man just ain't running yep just gotta roll with it well thank you so much brandon for joining us this is this has been yeah this was fun very informative and just enjoyable all around so um i look forward to maybe eventually getting to travel again <laughs> maybe i'll get to come by your store and learn some more well, yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll, do, we'll do this again next year we'll do a check-in be good all right Sounds all right. good. All right, Brandon. All right. Thank Thanks you so Brandon. much, man. You guys have a great day. All right, you Bye. Too. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer Rx on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.